Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. Our guest today is Michelle Neff, and she's got a brand new book out that's been published by Simon & Schuster. It's called Simple Acts to Save Our Planet, 500 Ways to Make a Difference. And I am in love with this book. It is so great, and I don't care who you are, where you live, what you do for a living, this book is is for you. And I am so happy to have Michelle on the show with us to talk about the book and kind of walk us through some of these great tips. So welcome to Go Green Radio, Michelle, and congrats on your new book. Thank you, Jill. I appreciate it. I am just so excited that the book is finally out and just in time (laughs) for Earth Day, just um, coming up in just a few days. And I really hope that the readers use the book as a reference for how to go green and hopefully get people thinking of how they can help the planet. Well, you did a great job with that, I have to say, and I'm excited to let our listeners know more about this book because it makes the perfect gift for anybody who's already eco-friendly and people who are just trying to get that way. So it's a great it's a great read. So as you were writing the book, and, and I know that writing a book is, is quite a labor of love, and as you were writing <laughs> it, you probably had your audience in mind. You were writing to them. How did you envision them using the book? And who did you envision as your target audience? Right. So I think anyone, absolutely anyone, kind of like what you said, no matter what your profession is, no matter what you do, how much interest you have in the environment, I think that this book could be for you. I think that there are, I mean, there's 500 tips. There's at least one of them that (laughs) you can find that, you know, you can be proactive on and take action. And it's really so important because if you look at the statistics of what's happening to our planet, it really is terrifying. Scientists are warning of a sixth mass extinction. A new study, it was from just this past week, shows that ocean heat waves are killing marine life and the water circulation is the slowest it's been in 1,500 years. So, um, and that's just a couple recent studies. I could go on and on about the destruction of the planet. So the point remains the same. We must do something to save the planet. It's not really a question anymore. So even if you do just one of the tips, in the book, I think that's better than nothing. Of course, I, you know, I hope that people do more than just one tip, but I think that they're really easy tips that you can implement into your everyday life. I agree with you. And and who do you think the target audience would be? I mean, do you think that this is going to be a book that's more for young people, for, you know, middle-aged consumers, older consumers? What are you thinking? Or is it really just meant for everybody? I think everyone could find a little piece that um, they can relate to and can find tips that they want to incorporate in their life. But the reason I made it, um, you know, smaller tips, I, I don't go into too much, like, heavy information. And that was on purpose because... Um, I'm a millennial myself, and I think that my generation and the generation after me, we like things in small, digestible bits. 
um, in this whole era of social media, people tend to not want a lot of information thrown at them. So if you're looking for just quick tips on how you can help the planet without feeling, you know, overwhelmed at the information that you're getting, then this book is definitely for you. Perfect. You know, and and what you said is so true. I mean, there is so much science behind the ideas that you have in the book that it must have been kind of a challenge to keep the explanations for the recommended actions brief. Talk to us a little bit about the process that you went through when you were choosing what to include in the book and what you would not include in the book. I'm sure that was tough. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. If I went into more of the science, like you said, into the the different tips, I think the book could have easily been double the size. And that really wasn't the point. I mean, we wanted to make it, you know, an easily digestible um, book. And I broke down various areas of one's life. So I looked at, you know, how can you go green in your house? How can you incorporate tips with your kids or maybe you're a teacher and you have a classroom? Um, there's personal beauty. There's food. There's all these different areas of your your life where you can incorporate some green strategies. And then from there, I brainstormed different tips that people can take. Um, and the majority of the tips you can do right here, right now. They don't involve some long, drawn-out process. I wanted to make the book as digestible as possible. Well, you did, and and I loved the recommendations. Some of them, you know, were things that I knew, but a lot of them were things that – you know, I've been doing Go Green Radio for 10 years, and I've had every conceivable subject matter expert on any, any variety of topics on the show, but some <laughs> of the things in the book were brand new to me, and so um, I want to thank you for the thoughtfulness that you put into this. Well, let's talk about some of the recommendations in the book. Um, you talk about supporting personal care companies that opt out of using microbeads. Talk to us about why that's important, and how we can find out which products are microbead-free. Absolutely. So microbeads are a really huge issue. So what microbeads are, they are microscopic plastic beads, and they're usually found in beauty products like exfoliating products in um, beauty care um, products. And um, I remember thinking before I learned about microbeads, you know, well, what is the big deal? They're microscopic. How could they really cause any problem? But the problem with microbeads is that they don't degrade and then they end up in our water treatment facilities and then eventually our oceans. And they end up hurting marine life because animals consume the microbeads. So then once the microbeads are ingested, they clog up the animal's um, intestines and they become absorbed in their tissues. So that's, you know, not good. (laughs) And that's something that we definitely want to avoid as conscious consumers. So there are many eco-friendly brands that will proudly say that they don't use microbeads. I know Burt's Bees, St. Eyes, um, they state on their website um, that they do not use microbeads. So it's really important to look for these companies that are actively taking a stance against microbeads and, and have a sustainability um, policy in place. So we're not supporting, you know, a beauty product that has microbeads in it. 
Absolutely. And you mentioned a few other tips that we could consider when we choose our personal care products. You mentioned palm oil and a few other things. Give us a few other tips to consider when we choose our personal care products. Sure. So I think a really big one, and it's something that I've been working on myself, is to find personal care products that are packaged in an eco-friendly way. So finding products that don't have heavily plastic use on them. Um, there's a lot of companies that are now openly promoting um, green initiatives, and they use you know, recyclable, compostable packaging. And I think that's really important to use because plastic pollution is is a whole nother, it's, it's awful. It's a whole nother topic. And of course, I mean, supporting cruelty-free companies um, is always a, a good thing for the conscious consumer. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there were a couple of tips in your book that I really wish I would have had in my back pocket that I could have shared as a kid because I always got roped into doing the dishes and I hated doing dishes. And I also, my brother and I had to take turns washing my dad's car and that was one of my least favorite chores ever. And you have tips in your book, uh, use a dishwasher and go to the car wash to save some water. How significant is the water savings for these two tips? And what are some other simple ways to save water? So I don't think with these two tips, you're not going to see a significant amount of water saved, but I think it's one of those things where um, the few gallons that you are saving by doing a professional car wash or using your dishwasher, it's really going to add up. And the idea behind those, I I put in some research to this one just to make sure, because it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but... At a professional car wash, they um, they know exactly how much water should be used on your car, and the same with a dishwasher as long as it's energy efficient. So even though it sounds counterintuitive, it really is saving water as opposed to you doing it yourself. And I think it really adds up. Even taking a shorter shower, um, if possible, I think, you know, you could save 10, 15, however many gallons of water. And another great tip um, that I really love is um, putting a rain barrel outside of your home. And that way you can collect water and you can use it you know, to water your vegetables, your garden, whatever it is. And that way you're not pulling out the hose and wasting water that way. You can just use what Mother Nature gives you naturally. Well, and you know, it's interesting that you mentioned rain barrels because in some of the urban areas on the East Coast where their stormwater systems um, feed into the same uh, water treatment facility pipes as as their you know their water supply their their storm drains get overwhelmed and it gets to the mm-hmm. point where it's so counterintuitive but they could be in flood conditions but they can't get water because the water treatment facilities get overwhelmed with all the storm water and they've really done a lot to promote people putting in rain barrels even in these urban areas where perhaps you know they don't have as many gardens or as big of a garden space but it actually helps with their storm Mm -hmm. water treatment facilities. And I I think that's, it's one of those things, I keep coming back to this where there were so many things that my grandparents did that like I thought were just so old fashioned, but we're kind of coming back to that wisdom. They did that kind of stuff. And it's like, man, 
they had it going on. I didn't even realize it. Now, you have Absolutely. several tips. Don't you think? I know. You've got a lot of <laughs> tips for cutting down on plastic in our lives. And I know that most people are pretty aware of why, you know, plastic is an issue. But I'd love for you to share some of those strategies because some of them were, were new to me. And, and talk to us a little bit about why that's so important. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, plastic use, this is something that's it's really close to my heart. I've been becoming um, more aware the last few years about plastic pollution and, and what my role in it um, not contributing to plastic pollution is. And there's so many simple things that really everyone can do. Of course, there's the classic bring your own reusable bag to the grocery store. I think that's starting to become a, you know, a little bit more mainstream now. It seems like most grocery stores have um, that policy in place where they will give you, I think it's like 5 or $0.10 cents off if you bring your own bag. You can also bring your own reusable produce bag. That's something that's always bothered me for years that um, to go to the grocery store and have all this plastic, like when you're getting apples or peppers or whatever it is. And now I just bring my own reusable produce bag and bring it to the grocery store with me. And it's, you know, the exact same thing as having it in plastic, except, of course, better than not using plastic. Um, yep, the other absolutely. Tip- and and that's well said, and I think that that's a great tip, and I want to hear some more from you in just a moment. Mm-hmm. We've got to take a real quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more with Michelle Neff, so don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. And if you're just joining us, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Michelle Neff. She has a brand new book out just in time for Earth Day called Simple Acts to Save Our Planet, 500 Ways to Make a Difference. And I love this book. You've got to get a hold of it. Um, It's out by Simon & Schuster, and uh, it's a winner. Now, before we went to break, uh, Michelle was giving us some tips on how to cut down on plastic in our lives. And I don't want to shortchange that because it's such a huge issue. So, Michelle, go ahead and, and give us some more tips about cutting down on that plastic. Sure. So another great tip is to um, purchase a glass or stainless steel straw. So instead of um, getting the plastic straw every time you eat out, um, that just goes right into our oceans and it's hurting marine life and it's really heartbreaking. So instead you can just use a glass or a stainless steel straw. And another more creative tip, if you have a shower liner, opt for a cloth one instead of plastic. Um, If you have plastic lawn chairs, opt for cloth. Um, Really anywhere in your life, um, you can kind of do like a tour of your apartment or house and see where there's plastic and opt for something more um, reusable instead of plastic. Absolutely. I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges of the next few years is for all Mm -hmm. of us to figure out how to minimize or eliminate plastic in our lives because it's just clear that it's doing a lot of damage. Now, you write for a very cool website, and it's more than a website, but uh, that's where we'll start anyway. It's called One Green Planet, and I would love for you to talk to our listeners about, you know, what that publication is all about, the goals, the vision, um, and, and why our listeners should check it out. Check out the site and the apps. Tell us all about it. Mm -hmm. So One Green Planet is awesome, although I suppose I'm a little bit biased since I work (laughs) for them, but um, I do think that they are awesome. Um, We are the largest environmental publishing platform um, right now on the web. So we focus on informing readers on eco-friendly news that will help consumers make conscious decisions. So talking about plastic pollution and palm oil and all these different types of issues that really affect everyone on um, on Earth <laughs> and, of course, the environment around us. And um, I'm also a huge fan of food, and One Green Planet offers the largest vegan food app called the Food Monster app. Um, and there's tons of really yummy recipes on there, too. And what's the goal of One Green Planet? I mean, what are you hoping to accomplish by putting that info out there? Well, we hope that um, by putting the information out there, people will hopefully take it to heart and start making changes in their everyday life, whether that be cutting back on their pollution, cutting back on their meat intake, um, not using palm oil, um, any type of social, environmental issue, um, we see it as we put the information out there, and that's really all we can do, and hopefully it'll plant those seeds, and people will take action from there. Mm-hmm. And if they do, what's the what's the end game? I mean, when, when we talk about the vision of an organization, we kind of talk about like the snapshot of the future that that organization is shooting for. What would you think that, you know, if all of your hopes and goals were met for One Green Planet, um, that the, how would the world be different in 10, 15, 20 years from now? 
Well, it may be an ambitious goal, but I think our vision would be to have a vegan world and to have at least a good majority of people eating plant-based foods, not hurting animals, because that's awful and animals are awesome. (laughs) So I think our vision would be a vegan future where we can live in harmony with animals and you know, that means not eating them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And speaking of animals, that's your beat on One Green Planet. Talk to us about some of your concerns for animal welfare and some of the tips in your book that could help us all look out for the creatures that we share this planet with. Sure. So I personally, I've been vegan for about 14 years now. I absolutely love animals. I have two rescue dogs of my own, and my husband and I, we foster kittens at our local animal shelter. Um, And just in general, I think animals are amazing, and we truly have so much to learn about them, and they really have so much that they can teach us. And, you know, you it's almost every day there's something awful happening. Um, with palm oil, the orangutan populations have decreased by 50% in just the last 10 years due to habitat loss um, directly because of the palm oil industry. So opting for palm oil-free products. And there's other tips in the book that are more um, focused on your house, too. So um, setting up a bird bath setting up a bird feeder. Um, depending on where you live, you can also put up a bat house. Um, bats are amazing little creatures, and they are pollinators. So they're really important to our ecosystem. So by putting up a bat house, you can help support bats. And, I mean, they're also really adorable. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about <laughs> not using feather products, too, and I mm-hmm. have no idea what was behind that. Talk to us a little bit about that issue. Right, absolutely. So that's another um, another area where I think a lot of people just don't realize it, and myself included, up until, you know, the last few years that the feathers have to come from somewhere um, unless you're, you're opting for a synthetic version. Um, but unfortunately, the feathers if they're coming from a real animal, um, that means that that animal is now losing their feathers for your earrings or whatever it may be. Um, So that's something that if you are looking to purchase something that has feathers, just make sure that it is synthetic. Otherwise, you're supporting this horrible industry that's taking feathers away from animals, from birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, I hadn't really considered it. I just kind of thought it was a byproduct of, you know, mm-hmm. other, I mean, I realized it was from birds, but, you know, to, to think about, you know, them being removed in an inhumane way or what have you, it right. just never occurred to me. And that was a real eye opener. I learned a lot from your book in that part. Um, I loved the tips that you gave us about changing our voicemail message and our email signature. That was great. Give us some details <laughs> about how we can green up our voicemail and our email signature block. Mm-hmm. So this one is it's one of my favorite tips. 
in the book, too. It's so easy. I mean, you can switch your voicemail message um, and or your email signature just one time, and then it's, you know, one and done, and now you have a voicemail message and your email signature that every time you're getting a call, every time you're getting an email, um, someone is seeing a green message. So that could be maybe you would put a fact in about your favorite environmental cause, or maybe you have a favorite quote that you want to incorporate into your voicemail message or your email signature. And it may seem small. It may seem like, well, what, you know, what is this really going to do? But I think that the key here is that you're planting those seeds. Every time someone emails you, they're, they're reminded, oh, yeah, that one environmental issue that so-and-so, you know, is really passionate about, maybe I should check that out. And it's this easy sort of tip that I, I personally think will really make a difference, will really add up. I think it will, too. And I mean, I can remember years and years ago um, when my PTA decided to put everything on recycled content paper and say so, you know, down in the footer of our newsletters. And, you know, not everybody was a big green nut at that time, but they started to get more and more conscious of things that they could do to become more eco-friendly just simply because every week when they got that newsletter, they were seeing that it was printed on recycled content paper. And I do think those little messages make a difference. I think that's a great idea. I love that tip. Now, this tip that you gave us was a real eye-opener for me. It was buy a laptop. And it was as opposed to a desktop computer. And so what was the rationale behind that tip? Because I was unaware of of the issue that you brought up. Mm -hmm. So with a laptop, on average, um, as long as it's energy efficient, which I I would think that most laptops now in 2018 are going to be made energy efficient. And the idea behind this tip is that a laptop, on average, they don't use as much energy as a desktop computer. But I think the, the, the key part here um, that I want people <laughs> to understand is not to just go out and buy a laptop, just if, even if you don't need one. But if you do need one, if you're in the market for a new computer, then considering buying a laptop, it really is the more eco-friendly option. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't recommend buying a new computer. Just buy a laptop for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've got you. And what are some other energy saving tips you can give us? Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite ones um, in the book is um, to put lights next to mirrors in your, your house or your apartment. And this may seem kind of weird, but the light will reflect off the mirror. So it'll act as the second source um, so then that way, ideally, you wouldn't need um, as many light fixtures in your home. And there's some other tips in there that are a little bit more on the innovative side, such as um, painting, um, using white paint because it reflects the sun's um, light better. So there's really these um, more unique ways that we can, um, you know, be energy efficient, you know, installing a shower head. That's energy efficient. That's a simple thing that, you know, once and done, you put up a new shower head and you're, you're saving energy and you're saving water just from that one tip. 
Well, and you said a mouthful there, Michelle, because in a lot of places, <laughs> there is an energy water nexus. So it takes energy to pump water. It takes water right. to produce energy. I mean, especially where I live in California, um, it takes a lot of energy to move water from the northern part of the state down to the southern part of the state. Um, and so we really have to be mindful when we save water, we save energy and vice versa. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more to talk about. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Sylvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. I'm so excited to have Michelle Neff as our guest today and her brand new book just out hot off the presses for Earth Day called Simple Acts to Save Our Planet, 500 Ways to Make a Difference. And we've been talking about some of the tips and tricks that she's got in the book. And even for somebody who's been doing this green stuff for a long time, like myself, I found a lot of great new tips that I hadn't even considered. One of them was really interesting. And, and I hadn't really thought about this, Michelle, but you recommended using matches over a lighter. It makes perfect sense. But talk to us about why that is so important. Mm-hmm. So I think this is one of those where you wouldn't really think about it, um, you know, on the outside of when you're thinking about being eco-friendly. On the outside, it seems like, well, what's the big deal? But when you're done with a lighter, it has to go somewhere once you're done using it. And unfortunately, that means our landfills. And lighters are made out of plastic, which is awful for the environment and marine life. Um, So really, all these lighters are doing is polluting our landfills, polluting our oceans. So 
when you look at the two, um, matches do tend to be the more eco-friendly option. Um, I think that if you use the lighter, it's not the end of the world, but um, when we're trying to be more conscious of our decisions, um, this is one of those areas where using matches is the more eco-friendly option. Sure. You tread a little bit lighter. Now, here's a tip that is going to bring dismay and heartache to middle school girls <laughs> around the world. Um, and I have never run across this tip before, but after I read the explanation, I was like, oh, I get it now. You said, say no to glitter. Talk to us about this one, mm-hmm. Michelle. Yep. So glitter um, is, you know, nail polish. It's used in school projects. Um, really so many different areas that we use glitter um, and we don't think twice about it, but it is a problem and it's very similar to microbeads where um, once they get down into, um, you know, they're disposed of, they go into our local watersheds um, and because they're, they're too small to filter out of water treatment plants, so then they go into our waterways and what happens with glitter is on um, these tiny little beads, they act like sponges and they pick up every um, environmental toxin in sight. So then fish and marine animals, they don't know the difference and then they ingest them. So that means if you're eating fish, if anyone's eating fish, that you're also eating this plastic, this glitter that's in the fish. So the the key here is um, when you can to opt out of glitter. Thankfully, um, there are some non-plastic biodegradable glitter options available. Um, I know that cruelty-free beauty brand Lush, they offer a biodegradable glitter. So if you still need your glitter fix, it's no worries. You can still get it. (laughs) (laughs) It is possible. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. So one of the tips that you had for us, and I know that a lot of our listeners have gone vegetarian, but not vegan. Um, So this one might be a little bit of an eye opener, but you said to go dairy free. Help us understand the environmental benefits inherent in that suggestion. Sure. So when you look at it, the statistics behind dairy production and the impact on our environment, they really are staggering. According to the Water Footprint Network, it takes 1,000 gallons of water to produce just one gallon of milk. Um, There's all that water that is required to hydrate the cows, clean the floors, the walls, the milking equipment. So the water use that's involved in dairy production is just It really is staggering, not to mention that dairy production contributes to greenhouse gas emissions. So um, so what you're having is all this methane is contributing um, to the global warming impact of milk, and it's accounting for about 52% of the greenhouse gas emissions, and that's both in developing and developed countries, and that's according to the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations. So anyways, um, really what it comes down to is that using a cow to obtain milk, it's, it's unsustainable from an environmental standpoint, let alone the animal welfare concerns. And really, you know, it's 2018. There are tons of plant-based options on the market, cashew, um, milk, almonds, soy, rice. Um, so it really is, it's, it's a no-brainer just to switch to some plant-based options instead of cow's milk. Gotcha. Now, this one 
this next tip was a little bit old school, but surprisingly, <laughs> I, I think you have a great point. I mean, I think you really do. You recommend writing to companies and elected officials. Now, this was something that, you know, generations ago, I mean, people were doing this kind of stuff. And for our listeners who might be concerned that maybe their letters will fall on deaf ears, what advice do you have? Talk to us about the value of doing this. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a really valid point. I myself, I write to companies and elected officials all the time. And it's true. It's very seldom that you get a response back. But I don't let that stop me from writing because I think that if we were to just give up and stop letting our voices be heard, then these companies and our elected officials will go unchecked. And I really think that as consumers, as citizens, we really should be watching what these companies, what our government is doing. So if you're writing even just individually, but if you're writing on behalf of an organization, most of these companies, they don't want that negative attention. Um, So more than likely, I mean, a lot of campaigns have been won from simply consumers writing letters. So I think it's important to note, you know, there is power in numbers and um, you may not get a response back, but I don't think that should stop people. You should still keep trying. I agree with you 100%. And I'm just curious, you know, when you write letters and when you do this kind of correspondence, I mean, do you have to be uh, an environmental science major to have your research all in line? Or what kinds of things can you say? Can you just give your opinion? Give us a little bit of background. So I'm definitely not an environmental science major. My my background, I'm a sociology major. That's what I went to college for. So I don't have a lot of um, maybe the technical terms for this stuff, but um, I think writing from your heart, writing as, you know, someone, a, a member of your community, a member of your city, your state, whatever it may be, and writing why this bothers you, whatever the company is doing that maybe is not eco-friendly, that you don't like, um, writing why that is upsetting you and really putting your heart into it. I don't think that you have to write, you know, a whole long essay to these companies and have footnotes and and all of that, um, (laughs) writing, you know, what you're passionate about. Well, and I liked the tip that you had, um, have a letter writing party. That way you don't have to do it all by yourself. And I thought that was a great suggestion as well. Now, shifting gears just a little bit, you talked about not using weed killers. Talk to our listeners about why that is a really important issue. Mm -hmm. So, weed killers, um, all it's doing, and maybe a quick fix as far as you're trying to kill a weed in your yard, um, but really all it's doing, it's polluting our drinking water, our groundwater, our surface water. Um, and most of these products, they, they have known carcinogens. Um, they have chemicals in there that are affecting hormones, causing behavior problems, development problems, growth problems. Um, just all around, it's not good for us and it's not good for the environment. And as far as if you're trying to get rid of a weed, there's a really easy solution. You can use a combination of salt and vinegar just to get rid of the weeds. And it has no you know, ill effect on our waterways. There's really no need to put all these chemicals into our yards and into our waters. 
You're so right. And, and I had a really great piece of input, but then I got triggered when you said salt and vinegar, and all I could think about was my favorite snack. I love salt and vinegar chips, but you, you are 100% correct. And the, the truth of the matter is, it just came back to me, is that you know what a lot of people don't realize is that our water treatment facilities do not have the technology to treat our water for removing, whether it's pharmaceuticals or other chemicals like weed killers and, and whatnot. And even if they were able to acquire the technology, it's so expensive. And of course, we all know that water rates are actually pretty cheap, even in states like California, where we're in drought. Um, so, you know, a lot of, of water agencies do not have the means to acquire the technology that would remove those types of chemicals. So that's a really important tip. And I really liked um, some of the tips that you gave us about the best ways that we can teach children to be eco-friendly. Give us some of those ideas. Mm-hmm. So I think um, this is so important. I mean, not to sound cliche or dramatic, but I really think that children, they are our future. And um, supporting them when they want to learn about environmental issues, learn about animals, whatever it may be, I think that we as adults, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, a community member, we really should be fostering and nurturing that desire to learn. So taking kids to a wildlife center in your area, taking them to a farm animal sanctuary, letting them meet animals in person. Um, maybe there's a river cleanup that you could take them to and let them have, you know, more hands-on experience with cleaning the water, um, whether, you know, your local river, your local waterways, and, and teaching them, you know, why this is important. Even simple things like um, they could, depending on their age, they could help you with the recycling. There's all types of ways that you can incorporate your kids into having some green initiatives. And it's so, so important because they really, they're going to grow up and they're our future. So we should be teaching them these, you know, eco-friendly ways. (laughs) I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, you don't know this, Michelle, because we haven't had a chance for me to go over this um, and and tell you about this, but actually that is what I do for a living. Um, The Go Green Initiative is the parent organization of Go Green Radio, and I founded it back in 2002, and it's it's an environmental education program that helps schools in all 50 states. So I am 100% behind what you just said, and I do think that children, they absorb so much, not just from what we tell them, but what we show them. And that's why when I go into schools and I help teachers and, you know, principals and parent volunteers set things up, it's not just for the kids to do it. It's so that they can watch the adults around them recycle, turn off the lights when we leave the room and all those various things that are so important to do. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more with Michelle Neff and her brand new book. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. And if you just joined us, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Michelle Neff, and she has a brand new book out called Simple Acts to Save Our Planet, 500 Ways to Make a Difference. And it's awesome. I love this book. It's one of those things that you could pick up, you could flip to any page and find something that you could do right now today. It's so practical and it's it's actually kind of fun. As I was reading through it, it was kind of like a little quest to find things that I had already seen or things I didn't know. And then I started Googling things just to find out why she told me this tip. And it was just a fascinating journey. I know you'll love it. So, Michelle, you included several really great tips that involve the use of bamboo. Why is bamboo such an eco-friendly material? And what are some of the products that we should consider using that are made from bamboo? Mm -hmm. So, bamboo, it's an eco-friendly material because it can be rapidly renewed. So, in other words, it's not as intensive as taking a tree and making that tree into paper or wood or any other product. Um, so bamboo, because it can be rapidly renewed, you're, you're able to see a more sustainable source instead of using a tree. So there's products, it may seem silly, but there are products like bamboo toilet paper um, that are, is definitely more sustainable than regular toilet paper. There's also bamboo wood, um, bed sheets, pens, you name it. And, you know, there's probably a bamboo substitute. <laughs> um, I do think it's important to note, though, that um, I wouldn't want people just buying bamboo products just to buy them, similar to the laptop like we discussed earlier. Right. Certainly, if you're in the need for something, um, that a bamboo alternative is much more sustainable. Mm-hmm. Great point. Now, this was something, this is one of those many tips that I found in your book that I had not considered before. This was a good one. Why should we use sea salt versus table salt? Mm-hmm. So this is an interesting one. I had to research this one just to make sure. But the so sea salt is produced through the evaporation of ocean water. Um, and usually it involves very little processing. But on the flip side, table salt is mined from underground salt deposits. And it usually has a, um, it's more heavily processed. 
So um, as a whole, when you can, sea salt is the more eco-friendly alternative to use. Very cool. What are some other tips to make our kitchen and our eating habits more eco-friendly? So one of the tips that um, I started to implement since writing the book is I put older items up front in my pantry and my refrigerator. Um, I think that I speak for a lot of people that sometimes items get lost in the back of the refrigerator and then a month or so after you realize that, oh, there's that can of whatever. <laughs> but at that mm-hmm. point, it's gone and food waste is, as I'm sure you know, is a, a very big problem. So putting your, your older items up front in your pantry and your refrigerator, that way you're using, um, you know, the older items then going to the new ones. And I think, too, supporting your local farmer's market and eating what's in season, um, they're also great ways to reduce your waste, and you're also supporting your local community. Mm-hmm. For sure. And and I think that, you know, what we put in our mouths is has such a tremendous potential for environmental impact. I mean, if we truly want to make a difference, I mean, the things that we we purchase and the things that we don't in terms of, of food and beverage is is just monumental. I mean, it when you look at how much money is spent just in our country on groceries and um, eating out, if, if all of that money were turned toward more eco-friendly, environmentally sustainable options, oh, what a difference that would make. That's a lot of money being spent. So vote with your purses, everybody, and your forks. Um, now, you have some really cute ideas and really smart ideas for making social gatherings easier on the planet, like stop using balloons. Um, talk to mm-hmm. us about some of the ways that we can make any festive occasion greener. So I think that if people have an occasion where they um, would want to release balloons, I would say, please don't do that. Balloons end (laughs) up in our ocean and then marine life um, ingests them. So if you want to release balloons, but you're looking for a more eco-friendly option, I really love the idea of giving your guests milkweed seeds and asking them to plant the seeds because um, our monarch butterfly populations, um, they're really dwindling. So I think this is a great way, a green way, um, to hand out milkweed seeds at whatever the occasion is um, and ask your guests to plant them in order to help butterflies. And there's also um, other ones, other ideas too. I mean, you can blow bubbles if you want to have, you know, a celebratory event. Um, the, the, the whole idea here is um, to do things that are not going to have the adverse impact on animals that balloons unfortunately do. Mm-hmm. And another thing that you mentioned, and this isn't so much about parties, but um, one of the things that can have a big impact on animals is the kind of like plastic um, packaging like around clementine oranges and things like that. And you talked about shredding those things before you put them in the, the trash. And that's so important. I mean, if you haven't seen pictures of little birds and other wildlife all tangled up in those plastic uh, types of packaging, you can easily find it on Google if you if you want to see it, but you could just take our word for it. It's bad, so shred those things. I, I liked that tip mm-hmm. a lot. 
You wrote a lot of tips about how to protect our local waterways, including be careful what you flush. Talk to our listeners about some of the ways to keep toxins and debris out of our waterways. Sure. So um, definitely be careful what you flush. I think that this is kind of similar to our plastic pollution where, you know, um, we flush something and we think that it's out of sight, out of mind sort of thing, um, similar to like a plastic bag, and we don't see the consequence. Um, But unfortunately, all, you know, whatever you're flushing, it has to go somewhere and it's going right into our waterways. Um, So things like prescription pills, coffee grinds, baby diapers, um, you may think that you're, you know, doing the easy thing by flushing it, but really you're causing harm to the ocean. So, um, and other ways to help, um, you can also participate in a local river cleanup. There's many environmental groups, local and national, that they have um, river cleanups, beach cleanups. Um, and it's so important. Our, our plastic use really is out of control. So you can, you know, tag team with a group or maybe get some friends involved, get your family involved and go out there and, you know, pick up some plastic, pick up this trash because all it's doing, you know, it's just sitting in our oceans and sitting in our water. And it's awful. It's causing a, a major problem. It's so true. And, you know, you talked about inviting friends to come for a a litter pickup, and that's a great idea. What are some other ways that we can make embracing sustainability more social? Sure. So I think um, this is so important that, you know, you as an individual, anyone can pick up this book and do the tip. Um, But I think getting your friends and your neighbors, your coworkers involved in how to do things sustainably and going green, um, you're going to create a domino effect. And that's so, so important. You could host a movie night, maybe with an environmental film. You could host a letter writing party. You could start a book club and it could all be books about the environment and animals and how to help. And the most important piece here is that people start talking about these issues and then hopefully we'll take action and there's 500 tips in the book. So I think, you know, out of 500, I would hope that someone, you know, you could find at least one of the tips that you can um, implement into your day-to-day life and pass on the book to a friend. I mean, it sounds, you know, kind of cliche to, you know, pass on the book, but I think it really is important, you know, pass on the information Absolutely. And it is a great book. And I want to thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. I want all of our listeners to check it out. Simple Acts to Save Our Planet, 500 Ways to Make a Difference. It's tremendous. And I really enjoyed reading it. And and I will be sharing it with my friends. And great job, Michelle. Thanks to all of you for tuning in with us this week. We'll be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.